in Deuteronomy chapter one, verse number two says, there are how many days? 11 days journey from Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, by the way of Mount Seir, unto where? Unto Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea is the border of the promised land. And the Bible now tells us in verse number 20, that when they came to the borders of Canaan, Kadesh Barnea, that God told Moses, and the Israelites to go in and to possess the land of Canaan. Look with me at verse number 20. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter one and verse number 20, and I said unto you, you are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Let's read now, what does the Bible say? Go up and what? Go up and possess it. And verse number 22 goes on. They were to go up now and to possess the land. They were to enter literal Canaan and dispossess the inhabitants of the literal land of Canaan. Why was this? It was because probation had closed upon the ancient Canaanites. The inhabitants of Canaan, they had reached the point of no return. God was about to close probation to bring executive judgment upon the inhabitants of the literal land of Canaan. Go now and possess it. They came to the borders of Canaan, the borders of the promised land in a time when probation was about to close on the inhabitants of Canaan. And notice now, the very phrase that inspiration uses to describe that their probation, those in Canaan, their probation had closed. Look at this statement here. Patriarchs and prophets, page 423 says, the Hebrews were to dispossess and utterly destroy whom? The inhabitants of Canaan, let's read slowly now, who had what? Who had filled up the measure of their iniquity, their cup of sin was full and running over. So when Israel came to the border of the promised land, Canaan, what was the condition of those in Canaan? The cup of their iniquity was what? It was a fall. So now, which event signals, let's make the application now for these last days, which event signals the cup of Babylon? The symbolic cup, the cup of this world, the inhabitants of the world, they have reached the limit of no return, the point of no return. They have reached the point wherein their cup of iniquity is full and running over. Which event signals this? It is the national Sunday law, the enforcing of the mark of the beast. Go with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 18. We are studying here type, anti-type. What happened in past times, in Bible times, in Bible history, in ancient times, the Bible says will be repeated in these last days. Revelation chapter 18, the cup of their iniquity was full. And if we are now seeing signs, you need to hear me very, very carefully here. Father in heaven, Grant us more of thy Holy Spirit's power. Awaken our minds, arrest our attention, lest we perish 
is our prayer in Christ's name. Look with me, when we begin to see events that signals the fulfillment of Bible prophecy that also signal that the cup of the iniquities of Babylon is full, then we have come now to the border of the spiritual Canaan. Jesus is about to come. Revelation chapter 18, the Bible tells us in verse number five, are we there? The Bible says for her sins. Who is the her here? Look at verse number two. Verse number two, and he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon, the great is what? Fallen, is what? Fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And verse number five says, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her. When is God going to reward her? Why is God going to close probation on Babylon and return for his saints? Verse 6, reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her, double according to her works. In the what now, friends? In the cup which she hath filled. Fill to her double. So now what does, what could Babylon do? What did Babylon, what will Babylon do to cause Jesus to say, your cup of sin is full. I'm now going to bring executive judgment. What is this? Hold your finger on Revelation chapter 18 and go with me in your Bible to Psalm 119. Where are we going to, my friends? Psalm 119. The Bible tells us it is when they enforce Sunday as the day of worship and persecute those who refuse to honor Sunday. At this very point, the cup of iniquity of this world reach its limit, it's running over. Probation is about to close. At that point, we come to the border of the heavenly Canaan, the new promised land. Psalm 119 verse 126, the Bible says it is time for thee Lord to work. It is time for thee, Lord to work. Why? For they have made what? Void thy law in the nations of this earth, beginning in the United States of America. They are going to pass a law to make void God's Ten Commandments. At this time, it is time for thee, Lord, to work. Why? They have made void thy law. Jesus now is going to reward Babylon double for her sins. The cup of her iniquity will be full. At that time, we are told, it is national apostasy. And national apostasy, universal apostasy, will bring national, universal ruin. Look at what this statement says. In the book Maranatha, page 216, inspiration says, the people of the United States have been a favored people, but when they restrict religious liberty, surrender Protestantism, and give countenance to Pope, let's read, the measure of their guilt 
will be full and national apostasy will be registered in the books of heaven. The result of this apostasy will be what? National ruin. I don't want to go too quick and too fast. Go back to this statement here. Look at these three points. When they restrict what, friends? Religious liberty. What's number two? When America first surrenders what? Protestantism. What's number three? Come on. Number three, and give countenance to Pope Francis. Give countenance to the papacy. Give countenance, respect and honor and allegiance to Pope at that point. The United States of America first reaches national apostasy. And national apostasy will lead to what? National ruin. At that very point, as this statement says, at that very point, the cup of iniquity is what? Full. At this very point, we come to the border of what, friends? The heavenly Canaan, New Jerusalem. Are we seeing events now fulfilling these three points? R restricting liberty of conscience. Has the United States of America began to pass laws to restrict liberty of conscience? Yes. Have they begun to surrender Protestantism? Yes. Have they begun to give allegiance to the papacy, to Pope? So where are we? At the point of national apostasy, which will lead to what? National ruin. We have come, or we are so close, we have come to about a few days, my friend, before the cup of America, the symbolic cup, becomes full and begins to run over. At that point, God will send the seven last plagues very, very soon. Look at what this says. Obama's, Fox News, Obama's LGBT executive order does what, friends? Endangers what? Religious liberty. Are we near to national apostasy? A few months ago, we saw Kenneth Copeland, Pope Francis, and what is his name? Tony Palmer, all three came together. And what was the big announcement? What was the big headline that grabbed the whole world's attention? Protestantism is over. How close are we, my friend? We are very, very close to what? National apostasy, which will lead to what? National ruin. All the Protestant nations and uh, uh, churches have now joined together with Pope. Where are we, my friends? At the border of where? Of the heavenly Canaan. Now we see this. Pope Francis to become what? The first pope to address Congress. How close are we to national apostasy? We are here. What is next, my friends? National ruin. The cup of iniquity. It's almost, it's at the brim. It's almost full to running over. We have come to the borders of the heavenly Canaan. Review and Herald, June 15th, 1897 says, listen to this carefully. It says, Roman Catholic principles will be taken under the what? The care and protection of the state. Is this going on now? 
when the principles of Rome are being honored in the United States of America primarily and in other nations, what will follow? It says, this national what? This national apostasy will speedily be followed by what? National ruin? Is this going on now? The Senate voted 98 to 1 that climate change is not a hoax. Who is championing climate change? The Pope of Rome. Let's go back now. Roman Catholic principles will be taken under what? The care and protection of the state. When you see this, we have come to the point of what? National apostasy. What will follow, my brother? National ruin. Is the cup of iniquity almost full? Let's move on. Obama, to meet the Pope, he quotes and what? Admires him. Listen to what this says. Gospel Herald, September 1st, 1900 says, And we see the work of destruction still going on. And why? Answer, because... There has been a what, friends? A national apostasy. What is a sign that we have come to national apostasy? The world, answer, the world, let's read. The world has thrown off the law of God and has legalized transgression and sin. Has the United States of America legalized transgression and sin in the area of the lgbt movement same sex union god says when you see this we have come to what point national apostasy which will lead to what national ruin the cup of america is almost what Full. And do you know what Babylon is serving the world? The papacy is serving the world? Wine. And notice on the same screen, listen to what this says. CNN, it says, Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg was what? Was drunk at the recent State of the Union address given by Barack Obama. Here she is right here, my friends. So now, if the Supreme Court justices are drunk with literal wine, and most of them are Roman Catholics, so they are drunk with the, with the wine of Babylon, false doctrines, and the Supreme Court is the body, the branch of government to interpret laws. Since, there are, since they are drunk in all spheres of life, how will they interpret the law? Not in honor of God, but in honor of the devil. We have come to what, friends? National apostasy, which will lead to what? National ruin. Ginsburg, she quotes, I was not 100% sober for State of the Union address, February 13, 2015. Now, has this begun to take place? It says here, 37 states of the United States have legalized what? Same-sex union. How many states, friends? 37. And it says, the nation reaches national apostasy. When the nation, let's go back there. Let's go back there. One, two. Listen to what it says. It says, because there has been what? 
national apostasy. The world has thrown off what? The law of God and has legalized what? Transgression and sin. Go forward. Transgression and sin. Have we come to the point of national apostasy? Yes, what is going to follow? National ruin. And just as the United States of America legalizes transgression, and sin in the area of marriage. Don't doubt. She will do it in the area of God's Ten Commandments. Renounce God's Ten Commandments, which include the Fourth Commandment, the Seventh Day Sabbath, and pass a law to force everyone to worship on Sunday and persecute those who refuse to bow. The mark of the beast. Have we come to national apostasy? We are very, very close. What is soon to take place, my friends? 37 states, look at this. You know, my friends, I weep when I saw this. New York Times, it says, uh, Supreme Court, to decide marriage rights for gay couples nationwide just before they break in June. But are they not drunk? Are they not drunk? Go with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 31. Are they not drunk? Why did God allow uh, uh, Ruth Ginsburg, one of the justices on the bench, to be drunk and sleeping in this state of the union address and for it to be publicized to awaken God's people so we can understand they are drunk, literally and spiritually, they are drunk with false doctrines, drunk with the policies of Rome. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse number 4, are we there? Bible says it is not for kings or rulers, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes to drink what? Strong drink. Why? Lest they drink and forget whose laws? God's law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted who shall be afflicted because they refuse to honor Sunday and renounce the Sabbath choose seventh day Adventist my friend and we will not find hope from those in government why they are drunk back to this screen here 37 states how many states are in the US my friend so if we have 37 states, how many are left? How many are left to, 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 to pass a law enforcing same-sex unions? How many more are left, my friend? 13 more states. 13 more states. When we say national apostasy, I'm telling you something. Mark my words and the words of God. Since national apostasy will take place, all 50 states of the United States of America will legalize homosexuality. It's going to take place. Listen to what this bold section says on the article. It says, uh, New York Times, let's read. It says, the what, friends? The pace of change on same-sex marriage in both popular opinion and in the courts has no parallel in the United States history. They have never seen such a movement control society like this one. Last year, this time, last year, uh, February, there were about three states out of 50 
that had legalized same-sex unions. And within one year, 37 out of 50. And we are told in Testimonies, Volume 9, page 11, that final movements will be rapid once. Can we not see it, my friend? Go with me to Numbers chapter 11. Where are we going to? Go to Numbers chapter 13. So my friends, have we come to the borders of the promised land? Is the cup of sin for America first, then for the world? Is that cup of sin almost full? Have we almost come to the point of national apostasy, which will lead to national ruin? Have we come to this point? And when Moses and the Israelites left Horeb and came to Kadesh Barnea, the border of Canaan, inspiration says, God told them, go in and dispossess the land. Why? The measure of their iniquity was what? Full. Where are we now? At the border of the promised land. Jesus is soon to come. Human probation is soon to close. And notice the Bible tells us when they got to the borders of Canaan, the Bible tells us they sent how many spies to spy out the land? How many spies? How many spies? Come on, how many spies? Twelve spies. And what was the ratio of division? 10 over here and 2 over here. And the 12 spies represented 12 tribes. Let me give you a quiz. The 12 spies pointed to what? 12 tribes. Each spy came from one of the 12 tribes. 12 spies, 12 tribes. Why am I emphasizing this? Numbers chapter 13. Where are we going to, my friends? Numbers chapter 13. And what was the report from the 10 tribes when they came back to the church? What was the report of the 10 tribes about Canaan? What did they say? Did they give a good report or an evil report? The Bible tells us the 10 spies brought back an evil report. Why is that so significant? As it was then, so it is today. What was the report from Joshua and Caleb, the other two spies, the other two spies from two tribes? What report did they bring? Was it an evil report or a good report? Look with me at Numbers chapter 13. Bible puts it this way in verse number 31. But the men... That went up with him said, We be what? Not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up a what report? An evil report of the land. Notice now, but what was the report from the two spies? Two tribes. Go back to verse 30. And Caleb steal the people before Moses and said, what my friends? Let us go up at once and possess it for we are what? Well able to overcome. Go now to Numbers chapter 14. Have we come to the borders of the spiritual Canaan? Numbers chapter 14, verse 6, the Bible says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, 
which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the church, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is what, friends? An exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with what? Milk and honey. So again, how many spies went in to spy out the land of Canaan? Twelve spies. And the twelve spies represented how many tribes? The twelve tribes. And what report did ten spies return with? An evil report. Ten spies, ten tribes. And what report did those two spies, Joshua and Caleb, return with? What report? A good report. We are well able to overcome. And the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 14 and verse number 9 that when the ten spies representing the ten tribes the majority of Israel, when they brought back an evil report, it was a sign that they were rebelling against God. They were what? They were rebelling against God. Verse number nine, Caleb speaking. Are we there, my friends? Joshua speaking, verse nine, what it says. Only rebel, not you, against the Lord. So were the ten spies rebelling against God were the ten tribes rebelling against God how many stood with God only two two tribes why is this so important ten spies ten tribes were rebelling against God when they came to the border of the earthly promised land what is the application talk to me the majority, 10 tribes, the majority of God's people are going to be found rebelling against God in a time when we have come to the border of the spiritual Canaan. And what was the condition of the inhabitants of Canaan when they came to the border of Canaan? Inspiration says uh, the cup of their iniquity was what? Full national apostasy where are we now in in the united states of america is that cup almost full have we come to national apostasy very very close is national ruin coming so what will be the condition of the majority of god's people they are going to be found rebelling against god and more than that those who stand to preach the truth those who stand to proclaim the everlasting gospel will be persecuted will be spat upon by the majority who are unconverted and the crisis jesus says hear me carefully jesus says your foe will be in your own household look with me at numbers chapter 14 Look with me at verse number 10. But all the congregation, how many friends? But all the church bade stone them with stones. Who were they trying to stone? Why were they trying to stone Joshua and Caleb? Because they stood for God's word. Go back up to verse number 2 of Numbers chapter 14. The Bible tells us when they came 
to the border of the earthly promised land, the Bible tells us that the ten spies, the ten tribes, the majority of God's professed people said, let us appoint a captain. Let us appoint a captain to take us back to Egypt. When did that take place? When they came to the border of the promised land. When did that take place? When the cup of iniquity was full in the land of Canaan. Are we not seeing the same things today? In the world, the cup of their iniquity is almost full. We have come to the border of the spiritual Canaan. So the, what is the majority of God's people now saying? Let us appoint a captain. We want to attend a church where the elder and the preacher and the minister preach messages that bring us back to Egypt. Bring us back to the world. Bring us back to world living. Bring us back to things that gratify or a sinful, carnal desire. We want a captain to bring us back to Egypt. Let's read that. Lest you think these are my words. Numbers chapter 14. Are we there? You could read verse, well, verse 2 says, how many? And how many? And all the Israelites murmured against Moses and Aaron. Skip on down to verse 3. Were it not better for us to what? Return into Egypt? Verse 4. And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return unto where? Return into where? Let us return into Egypt. I want to ask you a question. Did God appoint captains over them? Yes, yes. So what were they saying? We don't want the captains that God has placed in our churches. We don't want to hear those type of ministers who are following God. We don't want to hear Joshua's and Caleb's. We don't want those pastors. We want to appoint our own pastors, our own captain, those who will lead us back into Egypt. Hold your finger on Numbers chapter 14. Go with me to Exodus chapter 20. I want to ask you a question. What is Egypt a symbol of in the Bible? Atheism. Infidelity. Pharaoh said what? Who is God that I should obey his voice? We don't want to follow God's voice. We want to follow man's voice. And this issue of ordaining a woman to be an elder, a woman to be a pastor is a significant sign that the church has appointed captains to go back into Egypt. We don't want to follow God's word, Bible and spirit of prophecy. We want to follow man's word. So we can now see who the captains are in the Seventh-day Adventist denomination who are leading God's professed people back into Egypt. Back into infidelity. Back into Pharaoh's attitude. Who is God that I should obey his voice? 
And many of us, let's forget those folks now, many of us in our own secret lives, we have made captains, we have made even ourselves ruler. We are going back into Egypt. What is Egypt a symbol of? Exodus chapter 20 tells us that Egypt represents the house of bondage. Bondage to what? Bondage to sin. And hold your finger here before we read that, Exodus 20, because in John chapter 8, Jesus says, if the son, uh, no, he says, John 8, 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So those who are in bondage, they are in bondage. Why? They reject the truth. And many of us on a personal, individual level, we are like these ancient Israelites. We are going back into Egypt, rejecting God's truth. We are going back into the bondage of sin. We don't want captains that will lead us from the bondage of sin. We don't want pastors to preach present truth to lead us out of the bondage of sin. We want to remain in the bondage of sin. Exodus chapter 20. Are we there, my friends? Verse number one says, And God spake all these words, saying, Let's read verse two. I am, I am, I am. Are we there, my friends? He says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of what? Bondage. Out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of what? out of the land of bondage. Which captain do you have reigning over you, my friend? 12 spies, 10 spies, 10 tribes. The majority said, we want to appoint a captain to bring us back where? Talk to me, to bring us back where? Into the land of Egypt, the house a bondage. We don't want to follow God's truth. We don't want to hear about God's truth and from God's captains. We want to appoint our own captains to lead us back into bondage. I want to ask you a question. What happened when they came to their senses? And now they said, we are going to take Canaan now. When God did not tell them to take Canaan at that point, he said, go back into that wilderness. What happened to them when they got over into Canaan? I want to ask you a question. Were many destroyed? That was national ruin. Oh, you missed that. So what preceded that national ruin, that defeat of thousands of soldiers, uh, Israelite soldiers in Canaan? It was national apostasy. Go to 1 Kings chapter 11 with me. Where are we going to, my friends? National apostasy was in the church. We want to appoint captains, a captain, singular. We want Satan to be your captain. Just as in Christ's day, when the choice was given from Pilate, whom should I release unto you, Christ or Barabbas, what did the majority say? Give us that captain, give us Barabbas, what must I do with Christ? They said, crucify him. As they said, let stone Joshua and Caleb, 1 Kings chapter 11, watch the parallel now. How many tribes? How many spies? 12 spies, 
12 tribes. How many spies came back with an evil report? 10 spies. How many? 10 tribes were in apostasy, rebelling against God. How many spies came back with a good report? Two spies. So now two tribes were faithful to God. Is there a parallel of this? It's in 1 Kings chapter 11. How many tribes did Solomon, King Solomon reign over? 12 tribes. But was the kingdom divided on the King Solomon? What was the ratio of that division of the 12 tribes? 10 and 2. 10 and 2. And the Bible tells us that 10 tribes were given to Jeroboam. And two tribes were given to Solomon's sons, Rehoboam. Look with me at 1 Kings chapter 11. Are we there, my friends? Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse number 30, And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in what? Twelve pieces. How many pieces? Twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, remember Jeroboam with a J. And he said to Jeroboam, take thee how many? Ten pieces. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give thee how many tribes? And will give thee ten tribes. How many tribes were given to Jeroboam? Ten. How many were given to Solomon's son, Rehoboam with an R? Two. First Kings chapter 12. I'm building the case. First Kings what chapter? First Kings chapter 12. Look at verse 17. But as for the Israelites which dwelt in the cities of where? Judah. Rehoboam are Rehoboam reign over them skip on down to verse number 21 and when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem he assembled all the house of whom all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin how many tribes did Rehoboam receive two tribes how many tribes did Jeroboam receive Ten tribes. How many spies went into Canaan to spy? Twelve. How many came back with a bad report, rejecting God and God's captains? Ten. How many came back with a good report? Two. In the days of Jeroboam and Rehoboam, ten tribes were given to Jeroboam. Two tribes to Rehoboam. What was the condition of the ten tribes? Were they rebelling against God? Do you see it? Do you see it, my friend? And the Bible tells us the ten tribes under Jeroboam, they established calf worship. Where did calf worship come from? It came from Egypt. What did the ten spies and the majority of Israel say? Let us appoint a captain to bring us back where into Egypt on the border of the earthly promised land of Canaan the majority of God's people establish calf worship first Kings chapter 12 so what is the application my friend as we have come to the border of the spiritual Canaan the majority of God's people are now participating and conducting calf style worship 
1 Kings chapter 12. Look with me at verse number 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now shall the kingdom return to the house of Judah. Verse 28, whereupon the king, that's Jeroboam, took counsel and made what, my friends? Two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, and he set the one in Bethel, that's the south, and the other in Dan, that's the north. And this thing, let's read, and this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And Jeroboam made a house of high places and made whom? Priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, the 10 tribes said, let us make us a captain to bring us back into Egypt. In the days of Jeroboam and Rehoboam, they appointed priests, pardon me, they appointed men who were not priests not of the house of Levi, to conduct and to carry on Egyptian style of worship, calf worship. And verse number 30 says, the thing became a sin in the sight of God. Question, friends, what sins, what things went along with calf worship? Because those same things were what ancient Israel, the ten tribes, the majority lusted after. At the border of the earthly promised land, what, what sins went along with calf worship? Because today, we don't have a calf in the churches today. No. But the same sins that surrounded the ancient calf worship are alive and prevalent in the churches today as we have come to the border of the heavenly Canaan. What sins went along with calf worship? Hold your finger in 1 Kings chapter 12. Go to Exodus 32 with me. Exodus what chapter? Exodus 32. Tell me, are these things not in the church, my friends? All of a sudden, what are we now seeing? Individuals who once believed the wearing of jewelry, that means earrings, necklaces, uh, the wear, wedding bands, wedding rings, the wearing of jewelry is condemned by the word of God. But what has happened in our churches? We have appointed a captain to tell us nothing is wrong with a wedding band or a wedding ring. Those pastors are the modern day captains leading us back to Egypt. As we have come to the border of the heavenly promised land, what did they do down there with the calf worship? Exodus 32 tells us that they ate and they drank and they rose up to play. Church nowadays, it's all about playing. And if I say anything that you're not clear on, it's best for you to take notes and see me afterwards so I can more fully give you what the Bible says. But what did they do? They ate, they drank, they rose up to play. Calf worship is connected with eating and drinking and playing. 
Is that not what's going on in many churches right now? And the ten tribes wanted to go back into Egypt. They love the sports. Okay, we're in Orlando. We want to go to the arena. We want to watch the Orlando Magic. Basketball and football and golf and all this foolishness. They rose up to play. Bible tells us uh, these things went along with calf worship. And the Bible now tells us in Exodus 32 and verse number 17 to verse number 19, they were singing and shouting in the church. Church was like a carnival. Church was like a club. Young people miming and dancing in, in, in front of the church. That has no place no business in God's worship. But they want to go down where? Into Egypt? How, back in the day when you were in the world. Where did these miming come from? Egypt. Egypt. Let's bring it into our church. And these ministers and elders who say nothing is wrong with that. They are the captains. Leading God's people here back down to Egypt. Why? Listen, friends, I want to tell you something. They did not go literally back into Egypt, but they brought the lifestyle from Egypt into the camp. It's going on right now. Bible tells us in Exodus 32 and verse number 22 to verse 25, the Bible says uh, the people were naked in the church, calling it worship. Tight-fitted clothes, high splits in their skirts and dresses, pants for the woman without a covering. This is going on now in our churches. Mini skirts being worn to church. That's calf worship, my friend. Calf worship. Oh, my friends. And the Bible tells us that along with calf worship went the rebellious heart. Who is on the Lord's side? And instead of them surrendering, the Bible says they were more defiant in the sight of God. Calf worship? Go with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 11. Where are we going to, my friend? We have come to the borders of the heavenly, the heavenly promised land. The cup of iniquity for this world, it's almost full. And the majority, the ten tribes, the majority of God's people, they are appointing leaders to go back into Egypt while probation's hour is fast closing. At this point, how many spies again? How many tribes? Twelve. How many were rebelling against God? Ten. How many were faithful to God? Two, so my friends, what is going to happen if you follow the majority on any issue? The majority, the Bible says, will always be going in the broad road that leads to destruction. And the Bible tells us while the majority, the ten tribes under Jeroboam, oh my friends, the ten tribes under Jeroboam, the Bible tells us, that you could not find the true ministers in the ten tribes. 
you could only find the true ministers among the two tribes. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 11. I wonder what the application is in these last days. Notice what this says. 2 Chronicles chapter 11. Are we there, my friends? The Bible says in verse 13, And the whom? And the priests and the Levites that were in all Israel resorted to Rehoboam out of all their coasts. Why? For the Levites left their suburbs and their possessions and came to where? Judah and Jerusalem. Why? Because Jeroboam, ten tribes, and his sons had cast them off from executing the priest's office unto God. And Jeroboam ordained him whom? Priests for the high places and for the devils, and for the calves which he had made. And after them, out of all their tribes of Israel, such as set their hearts to seek the Lord God of Israel, 